Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEI-FM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. of the regular season, uh, there will be coach openings down the road, and I was wondering if you thought Gerard Mayo would make a good head coach one day. Oh, uh, yeah. I think we have a lot of a lot of coaches on our staff who are, are good coaches. I'm not really, you know, in a position to, you know, comment on what other teams or other would be looking for or are looking for. So, um, but yeah, I think we have a lot of good coaches on our staff. God be one of them. Thank you. Hour number two of the Rich Keefe Show. That was Bill Belichick from his Zoom press conference today. Bill's like legit sick, though, because at first it was kind of odd that he was doing a non-in-person press conference today. You're like, this probably his last Friday press conference ever with the New England Patriots. Did it via Zoom. He was definitely like coughing and, you know, fighting whatever illness he's got going. But asked there about Gerard Mayo. And really, Belichick is going to be Belichick all the way to the end, it seems like. Like, do you think Gerard Mayo would be a good coach? Uh, we got a lot of good coaches. Can't really speak about the other teams. I'm like, I would think you, having uh, coached him as a player and now have, having been the head coach with him as a position coach for multiple years, would actually be the best person to ask what kind of head coach you think Mayo would be. Meanwhile, Mayo is answering every single question you could throw at him. The last few weeks when uh, when they've had like the, the position coach press conferences, he's essentially doing job interviews in real time, like on the fly. People are asking him questions. He's like, yeah, I'd like to address the uh, the report about me. And he has this long answer about how, you know, if you rub somebody the wrong way, well, maybe that's a sign of a good leader and, you know, self-reflection and all this other stuff. You're like, oh, my God. So Mayo's definitely talking the part. He's trying to become uh, a head coach. He wants to be, and that's clear, and he should. Like, that's obviously the goal. He doesn't want to be a linebacker's coach for the rest of his life. But, yeah, kind of sneaking that one in today. Hey, Bill, do you think uh, Mayo would be a good coach? What's he going to say, though? I mean, he could say yes. I think he kind of did. We he kind of We have a lot of players that, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot. we have a lot of people that would yeah. be great coaches. No, He's I, also the guy whose job might be taken, so. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing when, especially if it's Mayo that takes the job, like, you can't really be mad at Mayo, but. No, it's weird. You think, you think he's going to take off, like, the W's and all the keyboards or something? Like, no, not the W. That's like, the B or the A, something. Yeah, the P. <laughs> yeah, the P. The Atriots. Oh, Atri- everything is yeah. the Atriots. Yeah, well, it also depends on, you know, where does he want to go? We're talking about Belichick. Where does, if, if he's gone and he wants to keep coaching, I think that's where almost, you know what? Not even everybody agrees. I was going to say everybody agrees. Didn't Fitzy say on Wednesday he thinks he's just going to retire? I think he did. Did he say that? Yeah. We've heard a lot of different takes from a lot of different people, but I'm pretty sure Fitzy said retire. I had a few people on Twitter say he's going to retire, which would be the best news to Robert Kraft's ears in a long time. Makes yep. the decision for him. Done. You can't, hey, fans, can't get mad at me. I didn't force him out. He decided to retire. What do you want us to do? we got to move on. Beautiful send-off. Yes, yes. Oh, that's like the perfect. We love you, Bill. Perfect Bill's ending. the best. You know, three cheers for Bill. But if Bill's like, no, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> They're like, all right. He locks himself yeah. in the office. I'm staying here. You can bring my 25 million in uh, in a couple of suitcases, and I'll I'll be out of out of your hair. 
Then he's going to fire him, and then it's, it's a whole thing. It is weird, though, that they haven't even had, like, a discussion. Like, the season's clearly gone south. You're going you're gonna to wait till the very end of the year to have this talk? That's the only thing, because you have to start preparing for next year. Yes. You know? Both so sides do. Yeah. Right? And, like, in, in Bill's case, is he like, am I preparing for this team? Am I, am I worried about this team and this roster and this coaching staff? Or do I got to pack my stuff, you know, get very familiar very quickly with another whole roster and build a coaching staff from the outside? And if you're Robert Kraft, you know, you got a lot of decisions. I mean, one main decision, clearly. But then after that, they, there's a big-time ripple effect. Here was Curran on with uh, Jones and Mego yesterday talking about this meeting. When it comes to the meeting between Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft, it's been reported a, a few different places. Is it your understanding that that's taking place uh, early in the week? And if so, what do you expect to come from it? I don't have any intel on when the meeting is going to happen. Uh, so I would defer to Mike Reese, who gets stuff right on a regular basis, that if it's going to happen Monday and he's reporting that, then that's when it will happen. What do I expect to come from it? It's kind of up to Bill. Since no conversations have been held and no one from ownership has gone to Bill and said, well, all right, so what, what's been going on here? And, and how do you think it went sideways and how do you look to resolve it? With that having not taken place, it would appear to me that they are leaving the ball in his court for that day, or they are planning to do all the talking. So there's a lot to be plowed through, as we've talked about innumerable times at the end of this season. So the longer it goes with no conversations at all, to expect that there is going to be something revolutionary that emanates from Monday, and even if those conversations go into Tuesday and Wednesday, I just don't understand how that's what's best for the football team. Whew. Like you would have thought, if the uh, Germany game was was so bad for Robert Kraft, meaning like he wanted them to win that game, that's where you got the memes of the sad Robert Kraft and the big old jacket looking down. And there were reports then, or you know, like a week or so after that, I guess that it was like it was that was the day. That was the day. Yeah, was that the same guy that had that report? The decision was a hundred percent done in Germany. Yeah, and no, but Kern might be still right about that. But the question is. I don't know how Robert Kraft can go. That was week 10. That was November 12th they played that Germany game. And then that led into the bye week. How do you not have like a little bit of a meeting there during the bye week? It's kind of odd, isn't it? And then you follow that up. So at that point, they were 2-8 and eight and just lost a slog of a game, 10-6. to six, And they benched Mac Jones for, I think at that point, it was the third time. Then you had the bye week. Then you came back, and it was that New York game against uh, Tommy DeVito. And you lost that one. And then you get shut out by the Chargers. Like, at some point in here, do you think maybe they'd be stepping into, like, a conversation about what's going on? But I guess you're just waiting to the end of the year. You got, like, a little sign of life against Pittsburgh. Great. You're 3-10. and 10. Then you get the walk-off uh, or the game-winning field goal in Denver. That gets you to 4-11. and 11. But then right back down again with a loss on, uh, on Sunday. And I'm fully convinced now that they're going to win this Sunday and screw up the draft pick stuff. Right now they're currently slotted to pick third, which is not a bad place to be. Uh, you really want to be, I mean, I don't know what the Bears are going to do at number one. That's that's probably the second biggest story in the NFL this offseason is do the Bears keep Justin Fields? Do they draft Caleb Williams? Do they find a trade? Do they trade down, keep Fields, and just stockpile a whole bunch of picks and players? You know, again, outside of uh, Chicago, we don't really care about it as much, but it does impact what the Patriots could do with their first pick. 
They're currently, like I said, picking third. If they lose on Sunday, they are guaranteed a top three pick, and they have a chance to move up to two, even if Washington loses as well because it gets the whole strength of schedule tiebreaker. So New England could pick two. They could also pick five if they win, and depending on what else happens, there are some really like long shot scenarios where they could pick like sixth or seventh. I don't think those are going to happen. So two, three, four, or five, and it's a big difference. So going into like say a month ago, it was like I was a two quarterback draft, right, or two quarterbacks at the top. Well, now Jaden Daniels and then Michael Penix. I don't think Penix is going to go that high, but you might have three quarterbacks go in the first four picks and Marvin Harrison. So if you win on Sunday, that could cost you the shot at a franchise quarterback, a franchise altering wide receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr. And you get a nice fun win against the Jets. And then you get to draft Joe Alt, the left tackle. Ah, that'd be brutal. We also don't know who's going to be making this pick. That's another part of this. We're so focused on coach quarterback as we would be, right? Like that's every Sunday you see it right there, coach quarterback. But who who is making the pick? That's another one of Robert Kraft's major decisions that is getting kind of swept under the rug because you're talking about moving on from the greatest coach of all time. And how is that going to go? How is that going to play out? Is it going to be like just like the two of them can't agree on how they want to walk away and it gets real ugly and it just ends really badly. But even if they do come to some sort of, uh, well, as close to mutual as mutual can get. All right. Now Robert's got to find a GM. He's got to find a coach. And then that GM needs to be able to find, uh, needs to be able to find a quarterback. And the way this all sets up too, and this is something that we're going to get into, I assume over the next few weeks if he's dead set, he being Robert Kraft is dead set on Gerard Mayo being the next head coach. And then he goes out and hires a new GM. You're in that weird spot again where you're telling the GM like, oh, yeah, we already have the coach. He's like, well, I thought that's kind of my job to pick the coach. Like, nope, not this time. Sort of like to a lesser degree, the Red Sox, they bring in Craig Breslow. He's like the only guy that wanted the job. And they're like, oh, yeah, your manager's here. You can't touch the manager. Like, well, that's my job to pick him. Like, not here it isn't. So that's sort of the same kind of thing that the next person stepping into New England possibly could be could be dealing with. So I think they're going to end up winning this game on on Sunday. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that's sort of uh, my best guess. Um, there's also some other stuff from from Bill Belichick today, where he was asked uh, he was asked about Mac Jones. Bill, uh, around this time a year ago, you gave a, a review of Mac Jones, saying you thought he had the ability to play quarterback in this league. I'm just wondering year later, what's your evaluation of him and whether he still can be a starter in the NFL? Yeah, I'll hold off on any evaluations on anybody. Um, I don't really think that's appropriate right now. We're just, as a team, trying to focus for the Jets and uh, in our last game here and, and try to get our player best game of the year. So um, let's leave it at that. I've almost forgotten about Mac Jones. <laughs> like, I was like, who does he talk about? What's the question? Mac who? Mac Jones? We talked about Mac Jones. Mac Jones was probably, would you say, Stiz, from, let's see, September to Thanksgiving. Maybe the name we said the most on the air, on the, I feel like it was a lot of By Mac a Jones. long By shot. By a long shot, right? And By like, a long Belichick shot. Belichick in there, obviously, too. But it was a ton of Mac Jones. 
And then once he has finally gotten replaced by Bailey Zappi, it was funny. Those first couple games, they didn't even really show Mac Jones on the sideline to the point where, like, is he there? I, yeah, I was wondering if he was dressed some of those games. But then the last two, they've definitely shown him a lot more. But he's there kind of out of sight, out of mind. You thought maybe there was a chance after the first half that Zappi had against Buffalo that, uh, is he going to... Is he going to get in there? Is he going to see back? No. We're not and gonna. I remember they kept asking, like, uh, Bill O'Brien if, if if there was a chance we'd see Mac Jones, and he yeah. just kept saying, everyone has to be ready to play. That's right. Oh, yeah. Everybody's going to be ready to go. Now, these guys are, are miserable. The reports out of there today were that practice was the last day of school feeling. You know that last day of school that's where everybody's just earlier. checked out? Yeah, yeah with, with, uh, with Bill. So that's my, my one concern about my Patriots minus two bet. Is they they might just be so checked out. They're like, well, what's the point of winning one? Like winning one for coach at this point. Like we're all done. Like he's probably done. We're done. And it could be ugly. And then you throw in a little snow game. I don't know. I I think that these players still want to win for Bill. I do. I think yeah. I think most of them do. But I also think it's a like they're they're professionals. And they need to set up their next job. So like say like Michael Onwenu or Kyle Duggar or Josh Uche are all free agents. So they might have this great effort, and you could look at it and be like, "Oh, it's for Bill." It's like that's also for them. Like they need to, they need to make sure they get millions of dollars uh, next year. Uh, you want to join us? You can six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. We'll do a quick baseball minute coming up as well. But most of the attention, as you can imagine, tonight talking about Bill Belichick likely coaching his final game for the New England Patriots. Uh, do you agree with that decision to, to move on from him? The, again, I keep saying likely decision to move on from him as Kraft and Bill reportedly have a meeting set for Monday, and I can't imagine it's going to be great news for Bill. So we can get into all of that uh, coming up next. But right now, we have Stiz with What's Trending. Now, here's What's Trending on WEEI. Trending now on WEI and WEI.com. The Patriots had what could be their last practice under Bill Belichick this afternoon as they get ready for their last game of the season against the New York Jets. Kickoff from Gillette Stadium Sunday at 1 p.m. Patriots have ruled out two players for Sunday's game. Those players are Trent Brown with an illness and Hunter Henry with a knee injury. Twelve other players are questionable. One of those players, Matthew Slater, who also could be playing his last game in the NFL. Some other players questionable, Christian Barmore, Devontae Parker, Jabril Peppers, and Jalen Mills, among others. Some reports have claimed Robert Kraft could be meeting with Bill Belichick as early as Monday morning. However, other reports have pushed back on that idea. Herald Patriots reporter Andrew Callahan was on with WEEI's own Jones and Mego. Here's what he had to say on the matter. I, I wish I knew. I mean, we would have put that in the story. would have had a different title and a lead. Like, here's the thing. I, w- I would put it in my personal opinion and, and guess. This is Andrew Callahan guessing, though, reporting behind this is, is less than 50. Like, I think it's more likely than not that Bill Belichick is gone after the season. Mutual parting of the ways. Bruins had their four-game win streak snap last night by the Penguins, beating the Bruins 6-5 at the Garden. Sidney Crosby scored on the power play to snap a third-period tie, added two assists, leading Pittsburgh to victory. The Celtics home tonight hosting the Utah Jazz. Tip-off in just a few minutes here from Causeway Street. Celtics a perfect 16-0 at home. They also haven't lost back-to-back games since the beginning of November. I apologize. The game has started about eight minutes left in the first quarter. Your Celtics up 
10 to 2. And uh, also Al Horford is out tonight for some rest. I'm Stids. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More Rich Keith Show coming right up. Remember, you can listen to WEI on your smart speaker. Just say, play 93.7 WEI. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on WEI. Back here on the Rich Keefe Show, WEI. Hope you're having a good Friday night. Just a couple of days away from the uh, Patriots regular season finale. And uh, more appropriately, bigger story, probably Bill Belichick's final game with the Patriots. As for the Week 18 slate, uh, Pat's Jets means nothing other than draft pick status, which really in our world is everything, right? The Patriots could pick two, three, four, five, maybe six or seven, all depending on what happens in their game and everybody else's games uh, sort of around them. Your Washington, Arizona, Giants, Chargers, Tennessee, but... There's also other games that impacted because of the strength of schedule tiebreaker. So it's really this whole crazy formula on how they could pick. But at least Monday, when we come on the air, we think we know what will. We'll, I should say this. We think by 6 p.m. Monday, we will know the future of Bill Belichick. But for 100% certainty, we will know where the Patriots are picking in the draft. And then next week will be dominated by both of those things. And then really now until April, we'll be talking about who they're going to pick, who they should pick, what are they going to do, who's even going to be making the pick, all that stuff. But as for the Week 18 games uh, or Sunday's games, a lot of them still matter quite a bit. There's still a lot to be determined playoff-wise. USA Today has a good breakdown of which games actually matter. So Saints-Falcons. That's one of those games that matters for the Pats' strength of schedule. It also matters for the NFC South which might be the worst division in all of football. Saints and Falcons both have a chance to still win the division, although it's not all that likely, but they both have a chance, so there is something to play for in Saints because they need to win. Well, whoever wins, they need a Bucks loss. So Tampa Bay is playing Carolina. Carolina is the worst. They are the absolute pits. And as long as Tampa Bay beats Carolina, the Tampa Bay is going to win the NFC South with Baker Mayfield, my guy, Baker Mayfield, who the Patriots should have signed. It was, he was a cheap guy, cheap guy could have had a competition with Mac Jones, like a real competition. They brought in every other Tom, Dick and Harry to play quarterback. And yet none of, they didn't like any of them. They could have had Baker Mayfield. One of the great what ifs of the 2023 season. He's likely going to win the, uh, the NFC South. But if there is a big upset there, say the Carolina Panthers somehow, some way win. It is the NFL after all, if they win that game, then suddenly Saints-Falcons becomes a win-and-they're-in scenario. Uh, The Steelers, they're taking on the Ravens. The Ravens have already locked up the top seed in the AFC. Lamar Jackson's not going to play. He's probably going to win the the MVP, but he's not going to play in this game. The Steelers, uh, with a win and need some help uh, to get in. So it's not a win-and-they're-in scenario for them. They need to win and then hope for for some other uh, outcomes. The Green Bay Packers take on the Bears. Uh, the Bears obviously are eliminated, but the Packers, if they win, they're in. They're one of the wild card teams if they win. If they lose, they still have a chance, but now you're talking about like 12 other things that need to happen for them. Uh, Jaguars and Titans matters. Now The Titans are out, but the Jaguars uh, win, and they win the division. If they lose, they could still make the playoffs, but it's 
again, you're getting into all these different scenarios, but a very easy one for Jacksonville. If they win, they win the division. Uh, Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans have already been eliminated. I'm curious what his future holds. He is under contract, sort of like Belichick. And there was that report in there. I think it was an Ian Rappaport uh, scoop a few weeks ago sort of like tagged on to a story about the Patriots and Robert Kraft and whether there's a decision or not a decision on Bill Belichick. It said, oh, they also won't trade for Mike Vrabel. And you're like, okay. Like, that's interesting that you sort of throw that out there. But maybe he could potentially be on the move. I know a lot of, you know, Patriots fans would, would want Mike Vrabel, but he's under contract. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. we mentioned them. If they win, they win the division. Uh, Bills Dolphins. So the Sunday night game, Bills and Dolphins. The Bills, if they win, they win the division. The winner gets the division, right? So very simple. Bills Dolphins. Winner gets the division. The Bills could also jump up to the number two overall seed. Uh, however, if they lose, Bills can still make the playoffs as long as a couple of other outcomes go their way. Meanwhile, the uh, Dolphins they win and they'd also be the number two seed. A loss. Um, they're a wild card team because they've already clinched a spot. But still, division, talking about the two seed, so you're getting that home game. Maybe, depending on what happens, you can get multiple home games, so uh, big one there. And then uh, lastly, believe it or not, Texans-Colts is a game that matters. If the Texans win, they're at least a wild card and maybe could win the AFC South, right, depending on what happens with the Jaguars. And the Colts, if they win, they could get at least a uh, wild card bid and maybe even the AFC South title as well. So Texans and Colts, believe it or not, are right in there. And it's another reason why, and I know we've we've given up and we gave up all hope of the Patriots having a, a good season this year a long time ago. But you look at the AFC playoff picture, it's kind of, it's so up in the air. Like the Kansas City Chiefs aren't great. The Buffalo Bills have had a rally to get to where they are. You know, the Dolphins are beatable. Like the good teams can beat the Dolphins. You know, the Colts might make the playoffs. The Texans and the Steelers are still in it. The Steelers are still in the playoff hunt at 9-7. and seven. You know, Joe Burrow got hurt, so that eliminated Cincinnati. Aaron Rodgers got hurt, so that eliminated uh, the Jets. So if you're the Patriots, the Chargers, they sucked right, right from Jump Street. They fired their coach. Uh, Titans had a really down year. So it was one of those seasons, like, if they could have just hung in there, if they were, you know, last year they were eight and nine, so they would have been eliminated too, but they weren't really weren't that far. I thought the AFC was going to be a lot stronger this year than it was. I thought, I thought it was gonna be a lot stronger. Uh, Mr. Dubs in the Twitch chat, AFC East is the worst division of football. What are you talking about? It is not the Pats, Pats and Jets bring it down, but I mean, Bills and Dolphins are both likely going to be in the playoffs that, that they have the NFC South. You don't have a single team with a winning record. So I would I would lean more towards the the NFC South. For many a year though, it certainly was the uh the AFC East. Uh but yeah, so those are the games. So there's a, a pile of games that matter, even though you're gonna see a lot of backup quarterbacks. It's sort of a, a tough week to uh you know, name all the starting quarterbacks in the league on Sunday. And also a couple of games tomorrow as well. You got Steelers, Ravens, and Texans Colts. So two of the games that do matter are gonna be on He's like an ESPN double dip, 4.30 and 8.15 tomorrow night. All right, I did want to take a little football break and a little Bill Belichick breather just for a moment because everybody's been tweeting out their baseball Hall of Fame ballots, 
And sports radio is nothing if not debating who should be in the Hall of Fame and who shouldn't be. What player is good? What player is it? And we're all looking at the same stats. We're all looking at the same players. We all saw these guys play. And uh, much like earlier in the day when we were talking about, you know, Belichick's been the coach for 24, 23, 24 years and how that really ages you and you, like, you go back to a, a place. If you're right around my age, if you're, you know, I'm 39, if you are mid to late 30s, early 40s, we're now at the point where all these guys that are on the Hall of Fame ballot, we saw their entire career. We probably saw them play in college. Like, you're super familiar with these guys. Whereas, like, 10 years ago, there'd be a few names on there. You're like, yeah, I don't really remember pl- him playing much. Or, like, yeah, he was out of the game a long time ago. Like, no, now is the is the sweet spot. And Baseball Hall of Fame, very polarizing. When you look at the the ballots, some of them, to me, are just, like, laugh out loud bad the the bbwaa and we did reach out to one member of the bbwaa and he normally joins us rob bradford uh we'll catch up with him at some point i know he's all over these um hall of fame ballots and everything else but the guys that are anti-steroids i just i don't understand it i really don't because would you have that same thing in football would you not so like rodney harrison or like edelman not that i'd even put edelman in but you get my point like you're just gonna eliminate them so my big beef with the guys like, oh, no, no Barry Bonds. Like, yeah. Did they remove any of the home runs? Did they remove any of the MVPs? Does it say anywhere in there that if a player tests positive, uh, I, I don't think Bonds tested positive, right? But if any of those players even admit to it or whatever, that they're ineligible from the Hall of Fame? No, it doesn't. So to me, those guys should be in if they, in fact, are the best players. And like, who are the most memorable players of the last 20 years. And that's why I I couldn't be more in on Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez. I feel like if you don't have A-Rod on your ballot, and most people don't, like most people do not, he got busted, he got popped, right? Like that's, some people have that distinction, right? They're like, well, if you're on the Mitchell report, like that really wasn't supposed to get out. So we're going to look the other way on that. And then if you actually served a suspension, then people are like, ah, yeah, for sure can't. Can't go into the Hall of Fame because A-Rod last year received 35.7% of the vote. So I understand that I am very much in the minority for having uh, Alex Rodriguez in the in the Hall of Fame. He was a three-time MVP. He had like countless top 10 finishes in the MVP. He hit just under 700 home runs. You could argue he was the best shortstop and best third baseman of the last 20 years. The guy was insane. And you can think he's a boob all you want. That's fine. That's fine. He's a baseball Hall of Famer. And so A-Rod, I think, has to be in. And Manny Ramirez has to be in. We all lived it here. Anytime Manny Ramirez came to the plate, there was a different feeling than 99.9% of all other players. And I don't know if that's just the, uh, if that's how you want to vote a guy into the Hall of Fame or not. The numbers also back it up. But there was there's just, there just sort of a different feeling when he when he dug in. There are certain guys that are in the Hall of Fame that did not have that. I always I, I end up picking on him a lot. I got to find a few other examples. But like when when Craig Biggio dug into the box, you weren't like, oh boy, here comes Hall of Famer Craig Biggio. No, but when Manny Ramirez was hitting, it was one of the best things to watch in sports for like a eight ten year run. So I've I've him in last year. He got thirty three percent of the vote. I think this is his, I think he might have like two more years on the ballot. 
You got you to hit a certain threshold, and then you can only be on the ballot for 10 years. They changed that rule a while ago, and then you're done. So another guy I would have in there is Gary Sheffield. I love Gary. I know some of you are rolling your eyes. Like, oh, my God, Keith just got the, the Royd guys in there. But I would have Gary Sheffield. This is his final year on the ballot. He was under 50%, or no, he was at 55% last year. You got to get 75% to get in. So he's got his work cut out for him. But we have seen big leaps before, which is another thing that just drives me wild. The same group voting can have a guy get like 20% or less than 20% one year. And then like four years later, without having played a single game, can be over 75% and he's in. It's maddening. And it shouldn't bother me as much as it does. It should be something that I just sort of accept and move on. But I end up going crazy every year when it comes out. And it'll be at the end of the month. They will say who's uh, who's making the Hall of Fame, and I, I it just drives me nuts. So for this year's ballot, I would have A-Rod, I would have Manny, I would have uh, Gary Sheffield, I would have Adrian Beltre, who's on there for the first time this year, former Red Sox great. I mean, just a cup of coffee with the Sox. I would have Adrian Beltre on there. Just a fantastic third baseman. He also played forever. And I'm more of like a go ahead and burn hot. I don't need you to play a million years, but he did. He played a million years, and he was really good. And a high end, just consistently one of the best third basemen in that whole uh, run, right, the last 20 years. And then the only other guy I think I would have is Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer is on the ballot for the first time this year. Uh, won an MVP, a handful of top 10 finishes, at one point, was the best defensive and offensive catcher. I uh, know by the end of his career, they moved him to you know first base and DH, but he was the best catcher in the game, or one of. I mean, I, I think of Piazza, Pudge, and Maurer over the last what twenty years that really stand out as catchers. I mean, Buster Posey had a few really good years, but those are the guys that jump out to me. So I don't have Maurer in there. The guys that everybody else are voting for, like Todd Helton, no, thank you. Uh, Billy Wagner, not for me. Carlos Beltran, I'm a no on. Uh, Andrew Jones got a bunch of votes last year. He was pretty sick for a little while, but uh, probably not a Hall of Famer. And then nobody else. Oh, the other guy I'm seeing getting a bunch of votes, which is wild to me, is Chase Utley. And normally, you know, I, I... I don't subscribe fully to the theory that a lot of people have, which is like, you should just say a name and your immediate reaction is yes or no. And then that's the answer. I'm like, well, no, because sometimes you kind of, you might forget just how good a guy was, especially around here. Like maybe a nationally guy, you don't really realize quite the dominance that he had or whatever, but I was a no on Utley. And then I went and looked up his stats and I actually thought he was even better than he was. I was like, I was looking at him like, oh yeah, no, yeah, no, he's definitely not a hall of famer. And yet a bunch of these guys that are making their ballots public, already have him in there as uh, or they would vote for him. So it's kind of curious to me anyway, but uh, some other first time guys on the ballot, a couple of former Red Sox. You have uh, Victor Martinez. You have Adrian Gonzalez popping up on there. Bartolo Colon, first time on the ballot. David Wright, Jose Batista, Jose Reyes, Brandon Phillips. Like what a, what a run of guys. So again, we'll, uh, we'll have, I think it's January 29th, maybe that the ballot comes out. And also between now and then, we'll get Fitzy and Hart's take on it as well. Me and Hart had the same five guys we would vote for for the Pro Football Hall of Fame last night. Baseball one, though, is usually much more, uh, a lot more fights to be had about the Baseball Hall of Famers. Uh, let's go to the phone, 617-779-7937. We got Harry in the car. He joins us next. What's up, Harry? 
Hey, what's up, Keith? Hey. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right about Manny. Manny and Ortiz were the best back-to-back bats, and mm-hmm. I grew up watching them, and it, there was just nothing like it. Um, also, yep. Chase Utley, hit or miss on. Um, mm-hmm. And then David Wright, I think, absolutely should be. Oh, interesting on David Wright. Yeah, see, I, I thought he was really good. I don't think he was... Uh, that good. I mean, right, you know what? Looking at it now, he got he's got he's got a case. He got more of a case. He doesn't have like the counting numbers that some of those other guys have, but he did have four top ten MVP finishes, and that's usually where I go because I think that helps really determine how good you were in your era. Like rather than sitting here and like comparing uh, Willie Mays to you know Ken Griffey or Mike Trout or like one of these guys, like if you look and see how they were doing against their peers. I think that's better. So, like, Cy Young voting, MVP voting is a pretty good baseline for me. So, yeah, David Wright has a better case than I thought. Maybe even a better case than, uh, certainly a better case than Chase Utley. Uh, let's go to Jim in Milford. What's going on, Jim? Hey, Rich. How you doing? Good. How are you? All right, Rich. I just wanted to, I, I got nothing really to talk about. Awesome. just wanted to say I, lo- I love your show. Oh, I thank love you. you guys. I watch you guys all the time. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we miss, miss you in the afternoon, but I love Same. your nightly show. Thank you. And, and I think, I think your callers in the evening are more knowledgeable to be honest with you. And it's a great show. So just keep it up. And you and Stiz are doing a great job. I love you guys. And, uh, I had to send you guys some food. So I hope you got the pizza. Well, I don't we know did, if you yeah. did. Yes, we did. Jim, All thank right. you so much, man. I appreciate it. kind words and pizza. You can call anytime you want. Or send us pizza, do whatever you want. You hang out. You can you can co-host the last hour. Whatever I will you gladly like. be paid in pizza. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Happy Appreciate it. Hey, Rich, can I say one last thing? Of course, take all the time you need. Yeah. No, 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 no. Just one. Yeah. You know. You know. Every every uh, every you know every uh, uh, segment you guys or or like the show before you guys puts out a poll all the time. The one thing you guys don't do is you don't you don't put out a poll above uh, the ages of 50 or 55 because I'm in that age group. (laughs) And in that age group, in that age group, I think you're going to get 70 to 75% of the people that say keep Bill. Yeah. I really do. I think it's the people your age group and below that say get rid of Bill. People over 50, 55 say we got to keep Bill. I, I, that's just my opinion. Yeah, you might. You know, I think you might be right, Jim, and not to uh, age anybody out, but just from some of the callers that we have taken that have really defended Bill. We got one of them coming up in the uh, week in review. I would agree with Jim. They probably are a little bit on the older side. And maybe that's because you guys remember a lot of the coaches pre-Bill and even pre-Bill Parcells that were here, and you're like, no, you don't want to go back to that. So that, that could be it. I also, we were talking about this a little bit the other night. I always assume that anytime somebody compliments me or the show, that it's going to be immediately followed by, like, a burn, and it was just a setup. I always think that. You're like, always it, thinking it's sarcastic. Yeah, I always am. So I'm like, Jim's like, love the show. Uh, love you guys. Love, buying your pizza. I'm like, mm, where's this going? But <laughs> also, poisoned? Yeah, but also you guys suck. And I'm like, okay, there it is. But no, that was, just a, that was just a nice call. I don't think we had a lot of nice people left anymore, Stiz, but we still do. Uh, you can join us. Uh, we're certainly getting back to Belichick. So if you want to talk about Bill, we we are doing that most of the night. I just want to take a brief break and uh, get my uh, my ballot, my baseball Hall of Fame ballot, on the record. So if you want to weigh in on uh, baseball or football Hall of Fame, which has been uh, discussed this week, as we're down to 15 finalists, including Rodney Harrison. So 
All of that is on the table for you guys. 617-779-7937. We'll also have a weekend review and a grab bag before we get out of here. But this is the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. If you missed any of our Patriots Monday and Friday interviews, go back and listen on the podcast anytime. Just subscribe to the Rich Keefe Show on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. Back here on the Rich Keefe Show, WEEI. We got our uh, Week in Review coming up in a little bit where you will hear from some of our callers this week. I would say, Stiz, Jim and Milford probably shoots to the top of the uh, caller power rankings. I mean, if you buy his pizza. Yeah, number one. Number one. Just just a bunch of compliments and then actual pizza. You know what I mean? Nobody likes a pizza party That's more than right. me. So That's right. I'm always begging for pizza parties, so we have one. It's a Friday night pizza party. Hart and Fitz are going to be pissed. Oh, I know. I don't no, even think about that. No, yeah, there's more pizza for us. Uh, as we said, back to the phone, 617-779-7937. Let's go to uh, Rick on 495. What's up, Rick? Keith, how's it going, man? It's going great. You? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm just in traffic. But, uh, yeah. yeah, hey, second time caller. Go easy on me, all right? All right. Uh, I'm trying to get the hang of this. Uh, so, Sunday, okay? Uh, I called you a couple a uh, couple months ago before they even pulled Matt Jones because I was so looking forward to this Jets game, right? Yeah. And I I feel like it's fascinating, just like like it could be Bill's last game, like you know the streak, like everything compiled into one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the snow worries me. I think that I have less faith in their run game than I do in their passing game, so I'm thinking that they might lose. I mean, yeah, they, of course, could lose, Rick. I'm picking them to win just because I'm worried about the draft pick thing. But you're right. I mean, this one is it's up in the air. You're going to have two below-average quarterbacks going out there. You know, no Ramondre Stevenson, no Trent Brown, no Hunter Henry. Ezekiel Elliott has been pretty good. But Brees Hall on the other side, you give them the advantage at running back. Both have pretty good defenses. It's also going to be like how into it the game are all the players. Like we've talked about that before. Like, are you playing for the coach? Are you playing for yourself? Are you playing for your teammate? Are you just checked out? Like, I think you're, there's probably going to be all different levels of it. Like, I don't think anybody just goes out there and lays down. Like, you can't do that. You can't put that kind of tape out there for yourself. But I don't know. It's, you know, late third quarter, thirty degrees, snowing. And you're like, ah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go on vacation. I'm kind of done with this. I mean, it's a two point spread. Both teams have been, uh, you know, bad. You know, Jets really due to injury. Uh, Patriots just kind of a mess from from Jump Street. So I'm picking the Pats, but the more you look at it, you know, you're looking at the, you know, who's in, who's out. I You can't put like a ton of money on it necessarily. But if I, uh, if I were to bet, I think I still might do like a sprinkle. I, 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 it would be on the Patriots. Good point. I mean, the weather does kind of throw it off a, a bit, right? They could go either way. There could be a, a Bailey Zappi pick six, Bailey Zappi fumble. But then again, Trevor Simeon, was he, is he known for his uh, ball control? Uh, I wouldn't say so. Uh, Joey's in Palmer. What's going on, Joey? What's up, Rich? Hey. Uh, speaking of in review, the Dork Podcast year in review, yes. uh, I was cackling oh, and good. woke up my family listening to good. that. Very but uh, I'm, I was calling about uh, baseball. I I do agree with you that. Those guys should be in. I mean, A-Rod, I don't like him, but you can't debate whether or not he was a good player. Right. Uh, Manny was obviously, like, must-see TV. 
And Barry Bonds was absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like they'd only throw him one pitch a game right. that was even like right. reasonable, and he would hit a home run on it. Yeah. And then you look at Chase Utley, like that guy's his stats aren't even that great. No. I think it's just like posturing. They want to say he was a good person, but then there was when it was when, uh, when he was with the Dodgers, didn't he like? Have that illegal slide where he like broke that guy's kneecap, like in the World Series or whatever it was. Yeah, I think you're so, right. I there mean, was just, something nasty I'm, there. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm out on that guy completely. Like, no, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Thanks for the call, Joey. And uh, yeah, good time to plug it. The hashtag Dork Podcast. We had the uh, the year in review. You can check that out. And uh, we also just did our 2023 Dork Awards, where we handed out uh, the prizes for the best and worst in uh, movies, TV, video games, comic books, all that. Can I, can stuff. I, can yeah, I get a worst? Give worst. me any worst. Preferably movie, I guess. I'd like to know your worst movie. Uh, Rebel Moon. It was that bad? It was yes. the worst. So there was one movie that nobody saw called Run, Rabbit, Run that I would say was the worst movie I actually saw. But Davey didn't see that one. And then I think just combined with, like, that was like a, supposed to be this big movie. I think enough people saw yeah. it. So I like, got like the popular mainstreaming ones. Like we like Aquaman two was kind of in the mix. That one was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. That was in the mix. No, but Rebel Moon, the uh, Zack Snyder Netflix movie was that that took home wow. the uh, the worst. Yeah. I bet it gets a pile of Razzie nominations. Oh, I'm sure. I bet it's yeah, gonna I'm get sure. a, might even uh, might even sweep. Uh, let's go to uh, Steve and Peabody. What's going on, Steve? Thank you. Hey. Look, I've been I've been around since the beginning, <laughs> but uh, nice. I, I want to talk about the field goal kick. You know, if this team was playoff uh, bound, and they get this guy kicking, trying to kick field goals, I mean, where do they find this? He's a fourth round pick. Yeah, they found what him in the draft. Players? They drafted this guy. Yeah, they used the, they I used know. a fourth round draft pick on Chad Ryland. Yeah. Well, how was he in college? I mean, did. I mean, I don't know. He must have. He must have been decent enough for him to be uh, a fourth round pick. But, but uh, like I say, if they were in playoff position and they get this guy kicking field goals, whoa! Oh, they'd be in trouble. Oh yeah, it'd be huge, especially because they let Nick Folk go. Like that. If this was a good team, you're absolutely right. That would have been a major story. Now it's sort of like a joke, and you're almost like, oh, is this guy on our side? Like trying to lose games so they get a higher draft pick. Andy Hart's keeping him next year. Andy Hart wants to give him another chance, which I don't know why. Yeah, Chad Ryland was the fourth round pick, pick 112 overall. He was uh, their fifth overall pick. So they went Christian Gonzalez, Keon White, Marte Mapu, Jake Andrews, Chad Ryland. So before drafting a wide receiver, before drafting a quarterback, before drafting all these different needs that they had, they went they went kicker. They said goodbye to Nick Folk, who I don't even know if he missed a field goal this year. <laughs> and then Chad Ryland. So does he get another opportunity or opportunities? Not good kicking conditions coming up on Sunday, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, what is he this year? Let's see. He is, wow, 15 of 24. Oof. That is that's rough stuff. 62% kicking field goals. He's also missed an extra point in there. Yeah, it's been, it's been a tough go. Let's go to Patrick out in California. He joins us next. Hey, Patrick. How you doing, Rich? Doing no great. sarcasm here. Love your show. You've got a little uh, following out here in Napa, California. Oh, hell yeah. Here. Thank you. There you go. So um, I am 55. I'm going to buck the trend. <laughs> Bill had to go. I, I tried to defend him, but when he hit Cole Strange two years ago, I was out. And and honestly, with, with Ryland, I'm hoping to God to, to redeem himself. He misses the game-winning kick this Sunday, and then he's my MVP. 
Yeah, so it's all yeah, worth it. Yeah, because he, you're right, because he, he screwed us against Denver. Thanks for the call. My kind words, Patrick. He screwed us against Denver. They, they could have easily lost that game. Then they would have cruised to the second pick in the draft. But now you're in a dogfight, and they're probably going to win on Sunday, and then they could be picking fifth. Yeah, not not great. Yeah, the draft picks, man. I mean, Cole Strange in the first round is a brutal pick. We said it at the time. If you're going to draft a guard in the first round, they better be like Logan Mankin's good. So that was an example of a time where it worked. I still don't think that position requires it, especially look at the history of Bill Belichick since he got here. I mean, that first Super Bowl run, they grabbed a wrestler, Stephen Neal, wrestler, put him starting guard. The guy was great. They find guards everywhere. And they're like, no, we need to take one in the first round, even though we have all these other issues. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of reasons to say uh, say goodbye to Bill Belichick, and that'll, I think, very likely be the case coming up on Monday. But you got a game first on uh, Sunday against the New York Jets. You can join us here, 617-779-7937. Two hours down, one hour to go, including grab bag. And when we come back, the week in review, you will hear maybe the strongest defense of Bill Belichick. Yeah, that's to a way stay. to put it. That's certainly a way to put it. It was a defense, if nothing else. You will hear that as part of Week in Review coming up next.